the Jewish Divorce Project. Because marriage doesn't always work out and chicken soup doesn't always help. Sorry for the delay. Thank you. I got them all cut, not just one. Thank you for that info. You're you're welcome. That's a way to go dad joke whenever you get a haircut. (laughs) Have them locked and loaded. You're nowhere near that. You've got a full head of hair. No, I realize that. I'm just saying, but like someone says you got a haircut. Yeah, I got a haircut. All cut. Got it. Do you want more? Like a balding. Like like a balding. Yeah. I'm not making the balding jokes. I'm not tempting that fate. I yeah, like my full head. I'm going to keep it yeah, as it is. You've got it going on for sure. You have a great full head of hair too. Thank you. <laughs> it's all in a bun and everything. We, we've been through a lot together. Have you? Ups yeah, and downs. Cover my hair. Windy days and sunshine days. Hair is, hair is so, has so much behind it, you know, Certainly, from a religious perspective, of hair being evocative, and you mean for you that well, growing up, I mean, it's the conversation about why people cover their hair or do not cover their hair. Oh, interesting. How do you Maybe feel we, about that yeah. now? Do you like to uncover your hair? Do you like to let it flow and fly? I mean, where I'm at now with where I'm in life, it's not really an option for me to cover my hair. Sure. Not because I'm not married, because I'm not anywhere near believing that um but that's a big deal in the community that i grew up in covering your hair is an accepted practice and it wasn't even something i questioned it was just of course i'm gonna cover my hair when i get married and then when you get divorced it's well now what and that's a big question a lot of people face is now what Mm, and what am i going to do with my life and how do i live it how do i carry myself no, just the specifics of covering my hair, oh. keeping it covered or uncovering it. I was just talking about this with someone the other day about some of the difficulties that I think men go through when they first get divorced and they ask themselves, and now what question? Very similar to what you're saying in terms of your hair, right? And coming from an Orthodox community, making a simple decision about what your hair, what you do with your hair is not so simple. You know, for I think a lot of men who in traditional hetero, you know, normative relationships, Um, where he may still work a lot and she may spend a lot more time at the home, even if she works a lot, she still probably does a lot of raising of the kids. Um, You know, once you get divorced, guys are left with like, well, now what do I do about actually taking care of the children now that I'm going to probably have to do it on my own? What is it like to feed the children? How do I dress them, right? What's the schedule for getting them to school? How do I arrange all those things on my end? Because I have to take care of those things that I can't rely on my ex to do them either. Yeah, I think that's a standard question perhaps even the name of my yet to be written book now what now post divorce because it's it's such a huge transition such a huge shift so many things are changing it's also this like well you wanted it <laughs> you know or you're assuming that most people are unhappy to some degree it's like well okay now what are you going to do with this freedom that maybe you wanted so badly or you didn't want but you desired and secretly wanted and and so yeah if there was any banner cry of a population i think it's now what for the divorce world how did you feel now what do i do how did you speaking of that when you first got divorced and you started spending time alone in your own home how did that feel for you did you feel safe 
just remembering things. <laughs> um. <laughs> How many guns did you buy? Let's be honest. And where are they hidden around your house? No guns, but I just had this memory of one night. I that's a great question of whether or not you Thank feel you. safe, especially for women after yeah. divorce uh, yeah. being home alone. Uh, I I happen to not be prone to the more anxiety fearful side, yeah. and I lived in a relatively safe community at the time. But I definitely had you know all of a sudden you're home alone quite often, um, and it's a huge shift. So I'm just remembering this night where yeah. I I think I came home and the, the the one of the sliding doors to the back was open and I didn't remember opening it. Uh -oh. Not wide open, but like yeah. unlocked or like a little bit. Yeah. And like I did a huge sweep of the house. I grabbed a knife. Yeah. <laughs> like, like going into the room, like, like go quietly and then swing the door open and have a knife. And so, and so like I, 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 I cleared the house, but I wasn't entirely sure. And so I, I locked myself in my bedroom with my knife next to my bed at the table. But the funny part I was laughing is because like my house was so messy. I was embarrassed. I like should have called. Embarrassed for a burglar to come by. No, no, no. I was embarrassed <laughs> for the police. Like I really should have called the local police. Not an emergency, right. but I came home. The door's open. I'm just not sure. You know, better safe than sorry. But just my house was such a wreck. I was so embarrassed to have them. Well, I'm the like, I think, think I'd rather that. die. <laughs> <laughs> I, think, I think I'd rather take my chances here. And I remember. Yeah, but then if you die, you die in a messy house. How embarrassing is that? It's fine. My life's over. I'll, I'll <laughs> you can't, you don't have to deal with the embarrassment of it. Yeah, it just felt like the better way to go. It's funny because um, uh, uh, my ex, when we were divorcing, we, we have two dogs. And uh, one we got in Charlotte, North Carolina. And the other one we got here in Los Angeles. And uh, when we were divorcing, I mean, it was obvious that we were going to split dogs because the, the dog that we got in Los Angeles, we actually got first um, while I was still in, in rabbinical school. And so she was kind of like my dog because she was my first dog ever. And she already had a dog at the time, which she let her, later gave up to her, her grandparents when we were moving out of state. Uh, and then we got the second one in North Carolina. Um, but when we were divorcing, she asked for both the dogs, even though it was kind of assumed that we would split the dogs, that I would take Lucy, um, the older one, because again, that was my dog and she would take Dixie, the younger one. Uh, and I was like, are you crazy? I was like, there is no way, like you're divorcing me. Like that's the first thing, right? I get to spend less time with my children than I really want to. This is painful, this is sucks. I have to start my life over again and explain things to people. And you're taking my fucking dog. It's like, that's not happening. I'm putting my foot down, right? The settlement stuff is shit to begin with. Right. I'm not giving up the dog. You got to know your boundaries. Uh, and I, I can only imagine that some of it had to do with safety. Right. That like having one dog in the house is good. Having two dogs in the house probably makes you feel even better. And at the time, right, I was already planning on moving out and she was getting like an extra camera for the front door. And she wanted to know like who was coming to the door and things like that. And so I totally get that stuff. And then the irony about it is that there are times where like I go to sleep here and there's no one in the house but me and the dog. And I'm like, I'm so afraid. I'm like, someone's going to break in. I'm checking off the back doors like twice and are the windows open and weird noises. And there are times that I get scared too. It feels really weird. It does feel weird. Yeah, I haven't thought about this in a while because I've gotten so used to it. But yeah. I'm remembering now. You're really bringing me back to those. It's a really, it's a really big issue of yeah. all of a sudden being on your own. And I think that that is why one of the things that I push so much with people post-divorce when I 
coach or, or um, in therapy is be alone. Like don't rush from that relationship, that end of a relationship to another relationship, because for the most part, chances are you haven't really cleared up some of the things that need to be cleared up and you're likely to end up in similar patterns. And you also want to learn how to be alone so that you can make choices from a place of desire. I'm choosing this person rather than this is a warm body that's just going to fill this void for me right now. But it's hard in yeah. those moments of, of fear. Of It's not just like I I'm, don't want to be alone. I'm bored. It's more of just even being alone in the house at night is is scary. It definitely can be scary. That's exactly right. And there's if a you weird... don't have a dog. Well, and if you don't have a dog, but then also like this idea of being alone in and of itself. I mean, there's the there's like the superficial of level of alone, which is, yeah, you're alone in a space, right? There is nobody else around you. You are isolated, right? Nobody is coming or anything like that. You're the only person there. That in and of itself is scary and uncomfortable, particularly if you've spent a lot of time living in a household with other people around and just used to there being other bodies. So even if you're alone in a room and it's silent, you can still sense the presence of other people. And then there's the larger aloneness and the inner isolation that you're talking about in the sense of really coming to know yourself, right? And understanding yourself. The, the problem is you can't spend all your time ever in life entirely by yourself, right? We have a term for it in our tradition called heat bodo do, which is like this ultimate like inward striving, right? You just go deeply, deeply inward and the idea is to converse with God, heat bodo do. Um, but nonetheless, um, life and even divorce can't be experienced entirely in isolation like that. Esther Perel doesn't even say that we should constantly be finding ourselves. She thinks that's ridiculous. She says that you learn about yourself in relation to people. So even if you feel uncomfortable and unsafe on those two levels of aloneness, the superficial and the deeper internal one, it's still not a place that you're going to have to be forever, nor should you be forever. Right. So you got to take it as much as you can. Right. You got to enjoy the aloneness and enjoy what it is to like be alone. You and I have talked about that before. Right. Maybe marriage isn't in the cards. Maybe a relationship isn't in the cards and that's OK. What does life look like as a single person? What does your alone time look like? Um, but then also. Right. Figuring out what it is in that time about yourself that you can bring out to the rest of the world is equally important. Agreed. Did you discover anything that. about yourself in alone time? Wow. Okay. I'm sure. Well, from the positive angle, I discovered how to like myself a lot more. Because yeah. if you're going to spend time with yourself, yeah. um, you got to start finding things that you like about yourself or else it can be really dark times. I, I also pushed myself to do a lot of things on my own that led to social stuff so it sounds mm. weird like mm. like I wasn't embarrassed to show up somewhere on my own I started dancing right so I would go to a dance oh. event by myself I would go That's to uh, cool. a night thing a studio dance and not know anybody so yeah. I wasn't spending time alone necessarily but I pushed myself to do things by myself and I didn't need somebody by my side to do new things or to break out of my comfort zone. And you also I wasn't always to... entirely shutting myself in my house for an entire night. Well, I think the key to that is also that you were doing new things, right? The old stuff can be weird. And I, I would venture to say, I know for me, a lot of old stuff would involve other families, right? Unified families, couples that weren't divorced. And like that for me would be uncomfortable. 
right? So doing new things where you don't know anyone, where everyone is in theory new to everyone else, that's really crucial too. It's got to be. Yeah. What did you discover about yourself? Well, I'm just curious, what kind of dancing are we yeah. talking about? I mean, is this tap? Is this Have jazz? Have we never talked about dancing? We never talked about your dancing. I mean, I don't know if we're talking are hip hop. Are you kidding me? Did you set up a stripper <laughs> pole in your house? I, I At one point I did have a pole in my house. Oh my um, gosh. <laughs> That's for dancing. Much, I can't believe dancing. we've never talked about dancing. A pole for I, dancing. It's so, wow, it's so indicative of how far I am from that point in my life. Like when, when I started dancing, it's all that I talked about. Anybody who knew me, yeah, I just, I just couldn't stop talking about it. It was so important to me and and so integral in the development of where I was. But it's swing dancing. I found oh wow, swing dancing. I that my custody schedule back then was uh-huh. uh, my kids would go to their dad every other weekend and Thursday nights, and so it's that loneliness of Thursday nights. I would just be lonely and it was all the time so every week and I didn't want to be home alone just crying and bemoaning my fate and I went on meetup and I looked for dance and there was this swing dance class that was 20 minutes from my house every Thursday nights it was kismet or god however you want to (laughs) or james and I went and I was obsessed I was I my first night I'm like, like what do you fun. guys need for me I'm all in do you need my kidneys do you need my firstborn whatever you need <laughs> I'll give you blood samples I want in I want in and full on obsession full on oh, wow. for years I mean I bought all in I went to events I competed I did no the whole kidding. thing yeah I it really is a fascinating journey of what it offered me at that point in my life it was um, escape. Uh, it was like that flow, you know, getting out of my head. It was yeah. nothing else that I did got me out of my head. Exercise, yeah. while it was great, I was releasing endorphins, but my head was still going and and everything, that back noise was still on. Dance got me completely in my body. You have oh, to be wow. completely in your body. And it felt like a massage. You know, when you just like that hour of massage yeah. feels so good and then you're back yeah. to reality, it would be just this hour where the noise stopped. And then it became addictive. Like I just wanted that quiet and that feeling to be in my body and then it became physical touch you know without any repercussion sure. I called it sex without repercussions no right. commitment right. no pregnancy no disease <laughs> it's a very perfect. orthodox way of looking at it yeah nice. it was perfect yeah, so then it kind of became that for me and then it was a social outlet because I, I danced a lot and I met a lot of people oh sure and then and then I decided to compete and it became yeah real it became something that I invested in I developed right. and I progressed I got a lot better um Shiva, I lost, is, I won. Yeah, you keep all this hidden away. So crazy that we haven't talked about dance. Anyone in my life, like, just knows dance is so. My kids made a list of during the pandemic. Like, dance. Like, on, no, on a chalkboard of things we want to do, things to, things to do once the pandemic is sure. done. You know, in the beginning of the pandemic, yeah. we thought like the world had shut down, and and they put on the list like go to a, or I put go to a dance event was on the list, and so oh, that's so wonderful. But it's been. It was such a big part of my life. It was where I would go a lot of weekends when I didn't have my kids. It just gave yeah. me something to do. Yeah. And then done. Pandemic took it away. It's just done. Yeah. And now it's slowly starting to come back. And it will be interesting to see where I'm at with it. You know, like, you know it gave me a lot more money. <laughs> I got a lot of my money back when I stopped dancing and time back. It's, it's, an, it's an amazing... 
I truly think there is so much metaphor and so much, um, it's, it's a really, it can be a really helpful thing in terms of developing that relational aspect of ourselves, mm -hmm. especially for people in a reparative mode. So a divorce or a breakup, because I got so into the concept of nonverbal communication. Mm -hmm. And when you were married? Dancing, no, in dance, like to oh. me, I'm always, I'm always just like, what's the deeper metaphor behind anything yeah. that I'm doing? And so yeah. dance offer all of those kind of surface level experiences yeah. for me. And then I was just blown away by the conversation I was having with people I didn't know. So you go to events or uh, like a night, so either it's a weekend event or it's a dance night. And you don't, you don't necessarily know people, but you're switching partners. And right. even if you come with a partner, you're switching and you're dancing and, and you're having, it's not choreographed. So you need to be listening, certainly as a follower, as a follower, and communicating with your partner. And it's all throughout words. It's all nuance. It's all touch. And it's a lot of trust of like, okay, I'm, I'm trusting you here. Or you know what? Trust me. I'm going to, I'm supposed to be the follower and listener, but I've got a better idea. This is it's, how we're going to take it. It's totally the dance and, of relationships, right? The dance yeah. of being in a family, all that. Absolutely. There's definitely yeah. metaphor there. Huge. And and just in an embodied metaphor. And so it, I, to me, I found, I truly say dancing saved my life. I really think that mm. it. It, it gave me so much and so many aspects of, of repairing where I was. And I found it really right after the divorce. So I was really in a low place and it yeah. just, maybe I was a little bit too obsessed, but <laughs> I mean, it gave me so much. And um, yeah, if anyone's listening, swing dance, West Coast swing is the way to go. That's really you wonderful. You bought outfits yeah. for that too? Like big skirts that twirled? So so funny. So no, so there's two types of swing dance. There's East Coast and West Coast. Uh -oh. East Coast swing is what you're thinking of, that old school. You're not talking band. about rap? East Coast, uh, West Coast rap? <laughs> yes, that's right. Uh, no, there's such, such cool history behind it also, but the East Coast is the yeah. Lindy Hop, that, gotcha. that like jumping and that wartime kind of vibe, which is the most fun. So they are the best people by far. They The Lindy Hop West East Coast world, they get all costumed up they get it they just jump right in they'll hire the bat the big bands the real bands it's the most fun west coast swing is more contemporary music and it's a little bit different and to me that's just spoke to my heart it just the the movement is a little bit more challenging and, and just different um I just lost my train of thought. I love dancing. Yeah. Well, let me just come in there because I, I love yeah. dancing. I, I've loved dancing ever since high school. I can do the running man. I have a scar on my chin from a break dancing mishap at a wedding in which I was trying to impress a bridesmaid. Um, you know, I, I, I love dancing. And I thought at one point, wouldn't it be great if you got a bunch of dads together? Don't have to be single dads, right, or anything, but dads, right? And you called them the dancing dads. And it was like a TikTok thing. And they did like... You know, it wasn't like crazy Backstreet Boys moves, but it was cool to see a troupe of dads doing coordinated hip hop moves or something like that. And I was like, I'm all about this. We're going to get it going. It's going to be awesome. I reached out to my men's group and they're like, yeah, we're not really interested in that. And then I found out there's another troupe doing it all together. So it's like, fine, let them have that. Let oh, that's that. amazing. I mean, dance to me. I remember what I, what I was going to say. I miss dance. Must dance. Well, dance is. Hold on. I want to go back to my other thought because you asked me what I wear. And that, that was really interesting. Oh, because okay. The West Coast swing dancers wear, for the most part, kind of um, the yoga vibe. They wear leggings and they wear shirts that are a little bit open in the back so you can uh, see the movement, so you gotcha. see the flow. Gotcha. And I was adamant 
And special boots, you need dance shoes or boots that are not, that are a little bit slippery, that are less friction when you, when you dance. Right. And I was, I am not buying in to the uniform because I had come from my background oh, sure. what to wear. So I'm you like, had a uniform, I'm going to yeah. dance. Yeah. And I'm not going to buy into the uniform. Don't tell me what to wear. Do not inhibit hey now. my style. Right? Hey now. And I had such a reaction to, well, this is what we wear. Dad, nobody ever said you have to wear it. And after a while, first of all, you kind of want to fit in. And especially in the competitions, you look like you don't really know what you're like. When I watch a competition now, a beginner's competition, I can see immediately who's a beginner almost just based off what they're wearing. It's the people that are trying to stand out that are different, that aren't, haven't bought in yet. That's and, right. then, and then it has this progress, you know, and then while you're, while you're at the average level, getting a little better, you got to buy in. Everyone's got to be the same. And then once you get to the advanced, then that's when people break out and start wearing a little bit more unique outfits and shining oh. again. Uh, a really fascinating interesting. when you look at it from my background of being told what to wear and what not to wear and yeah. being part of a collective versus being an individual. And it's when I started realizing also that my disdain or my runaway from religion or the restrictions that we do all of those things. I was happy to embrace the same concept in a different structure. Uh, so uh, don't tell me what to wear religiously, but yet I'm willing to do it in a dance world. And that made me really assess a lot of what am I rejecting? What am I not rejecting? What really is my issue? What isn't my issue here? And I mean, it feels like you learned a lot in that process. Uh, I mean, oh my gosh. I, I, without becoming the therapist, yeah, I mean, I'm very curious to know if the coordination and the trust and the nonverbal communication and all the great stuff about dance is something maybe that you want and also a relationship, right? I wonder if it was missing in your previous one. Again, I'm not trying to be the therapist. I'm just curious to know how it relates to those experiences from the past and potentially for the future. Uh, I, it's, it's a, well, and, I mean, have, it sounds like you learned a lot. Oh, I, I, I can honestly talk for hours about dance, but that's a, you have the concept of actually dancing with a partner. So learning those relational experiences with your partner developing trust through the dance or developing communication yeah. through the dancing experience. But then there's also almost the meta level of, it's not necessarily about this partner that I'm with. It's just my experience of learning and, you know, embodying these patterns within myself, regardless of the partner that I'm with. And also feeling safe in these experiences. Sure. And, or not safe and, and learning the body signals and understanding my boundaries. It just really is like this amazing platform to explore a lot of these concepts. Is there something to be said about um, dancing with other people? Like what's the philosophy in that? There's gotta be a nugget or a wisdom there and metaphor about what it is to dance with different people. I mean, it's like dating different people. You know, That's you, my point. You, you learn, it's, you just, Note, it's all what you said, relational. So you see how you react to different people. What happens if you get yeah. a terrible dancer? Yeah. You're pretty right. much stuck for the rest of the dance. A lot of the time it's- How do you make the best of it? a big event, you don't know. Right, you got to make the best of it. What happens if you get an amazing dancer and you're the bad one? Right. And you're the right. one who's still down. How do you keep down. up? Right. How do you keep up? What happens if there's something that, that they smell or that, you know, like, you know, they're sweaty. Like if there's something that you don't like about it. 
And also, or what happens if you're attracted to them? So there's so many and, things and, that come up. Or at the same level, you're both the same skill of dancer, both have the same amount of potential. How far do you take it? Right? How far can you go with something like that? Forget about all the differences. What happens if then there are similarities? Right? And you want to keep dancing for a while. How do you handle something like that? Oh, if you keep dancing with the same partner at an event, that's oh, you guys are together. Like if you dance for three yeah. dances with that person, oh, you dance for three now? dances with the same person in a row. That's uh, everyone Uh-oh. starts talking. Uh oh. Yeah. <laughs> Did you meet you any guys? Gotta be mindful. Did I what? Did you meet any guys? I yeah, I've met some. I I really tried to keep sure. my romantic life out of, of the dance world, just because I'm always so practical in the sense of then what like if it doesn't work out then you you see them and they're still in your world and just so awkward and sometimes it's hard to avoid but and then i had this question i can understand wanting to keep them separate it's a creative endeavor for you and not wanting people to interfere with that or other things to interfere with that so you can you know have it just kind of wholesome as what it is that makes a lot of sense but it it became problematic in relationships because how do I spend my time? My time is limited as it is. And then I would have my some weekends off. And if there was a dance event, I would want to go to the dance event. And then, you know, it, it almost became the other woman (laughs) or this like, well, who are you going to choose? And it wasn't, wasn't easy. It was dance became this thing, this conflict, this challenge. And I wondered, would I rather date somebody who's a dancer so we have that shared language and and hobby or is it Mm. my thing my escape where I go to just have my own thing well this is what we were talking about in terms of best friends right and being able to do things together right and then not also needing to spend every waking hour with one another right but but having similar interests so so here's a here's a test question for you is dance right? Is that something that you're looking for in a new partner, right? Do they need to know how to dance? Are they interested in dance? Would they at least be willing to go with you and have, you know, them step on your feet for a little bit? No, I don't. I think where I am right now, my, my, I don't need to be with somebody who is a dancer. I do need to be with somebody who can respect that part of my life. It could be that I'm done with dancing. It really is. Mm. I don't know. There was a big shift. So I don't know if it's going to go back to what it was before, or if it's one of that, one of those things I'll do once or twice a year, just for fun. But I need somebody who understands the importance and has patience and is very trusting. So role play with me. That's what I'm saying. Role play with me for a minute, right? I'm the type of guy who would like to go with someone to something like that, especially if I like dance, I'd like to be involved in it, but could totally respect my partner's wishes if they wanted separation. But how do you say something like that? How do you say something to someone that you're really into who maybe wants to join you on something that this is something private for you? Oh, completely like that. Oh, straight <laughs> just up. Just be straight up, straight right. up like that. Yeah, what's that? that's so clear. The clearer you are in the beginning, the easier things get. We often don't talk about there being boundaries within relationships of themselves, right? You kind of often talk about that when like you're dating someone or you're in a deep committed relationship with someone that in many ways, boundaries fade away, right? You talk a lot about when couples really get serious, it's when they pee with the door open, right? That sort of thing. Uh, and then, but you have to wonder like what, like maybe boundaries are actually very much healthy in committed relationships, right? They help maintain any number of other things. Very healthy. I'm I'm really pushing, and I, I think that we talked about it maybe in a previous episode of it's the beginning of relationships, and divorce divorce is a perfect perfect opportunity of people who 
we're at a stage where we hopefully we know ourselves a little bit better. We've gone through experiences. Right. We we're at a stage in life where we're not in our twenties anymore. Where you really sit down and create a list and divide your needs into three yeah. categories of this is what I need. Absolutely, it's a deal breaker. This is what I want. Yeah, I'd love for this, and this is what I desire. It's kind of the extra, the toppings on top. And then the other person can respond of I can meet this. I can't meet that. Or I can try my best right. to meet that. Right. If we're not clear, and then for the most part, we get into relationships, we're not clear about those things. Those are boundaries. And then we do this dance of, I want him to do this, or I want her to do it, but the other person can't do it, and, and, and then upset and expectations. And what if we just started relationships really clearly of just those three simple categories? Right. And those are the boundaries. Can you right. do it or can you not? Right. Yeah, well, in many ways, we, we, you know, we provide the doorways. If you're articulate enough to say what your love languages are, that's a way of saying, this is how I will let you in, right? This is where I want you to be. This is how you can come and love me and I will feel great about it, right? Um, and then there's the element in which you're talking about, about the boundaries, which is to say, I want to preserve some sense of self, right? That there is a partnership here, right? Something I really, yeah. you know... Um, that really enjoy, but I also need to have my own sense of who I am separate from this relationship. And that has validity in and of itself. I think that's incredibly important. Do you have something that is yours that in a relationship you kind you want to keep sacrosanct of this is where I go to be myself? Yeah. And by myself. It's alone time. It's very much alone time. Um, and I've even talked about it with the woman I'm dating now that we, she and I spend a lot of time together. And then there are times where we spend apart, even when we're with each other, right? We may go onto our cell phones after we've had a really deep conversation. And I think superficially that probably looks really weird, right? That like, you know, you've just had this great moment with each other and connected and become intimate. And now you're back on the most superficial thing in the world, just thumbing through Facebook and doom scrolling. But really what we're talking about is privacy right, is aloneness. And me, someone who's a mixed introvert, extrovert, but probably I would say, you know, more so an introvert than everything else, I'm okay being alone and being in a space with someone else, right? And sometimes I need that. And then there have been other times where I've really just needed alone time. Um, we got into a, a intense conversation about something and I was feeling particularly overwhelmed and needed some space. And she gave me that space. She checked in with me. Um, but I needed that opportunity to say, I can't have you around right now, right? It's not that I don't like you or anything like that, or you disgust me. It's nothing like that, but I need to be alone. Alone, alone. Alone, physically alone. alone. Yeah, physically alone. And right, did so. she, she took that well. Oh, absolutely. She took it well, she's a keeper. Absolutely, no question about it. She heard it and understood it and, and gave me the space that I needed. It was great. It was really wonderful. Um, but like, those are the things that are really important to me. Right. And then I can do whatever I want to do in my alone time. But I think that's the point of it. And I wonder if that has something to do with growing up in a household of four children, right? And being a small house and kind of always being on top of one another and just needing a respite from that, even if there are other people in the house. But for me, that's like a big thing. Like for me to be able to be like, look, I know you want to talk. I know there's a lot of great stuff to talk about. I would love to have a conversation with you, you know, and quality time is my love language right? That and deep conversations. But I need to be able to have my own quality time with myself. Like that's what the border that's is. That's pretty me. natural. I think that a person that constantly needs to be around people might have some things they want to look at and address. So I, I think we do yeah. need that, that downtime, the off time. Yeah, I agree. 
can we go back to your interest in dance? Can I entice yes. you to go to a, to a dance event? <laughs> I will try up. to find a dance event. I'm telling you right now, I'm working on, it's what I call the moonwalk away. Okay. So if it's like someone's tough talking me or something like that, I've got two moves. First is the bye, bye, bye move from the okay. NSYNC music video. I just go bye, 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 like that with my hand, right? Clapping across the screen. And then I turn my body in the other way and I moonwalk away. Just like, shh, okay. shh, 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 right? And maybe Michael Jackson's playing in the background. I don't know. But the idea is I just moonwalk away smoothly. Okay. And that's so you're saying that's you're you're that's, you've been priming yourself for I've been thinking about my moon walkaways. California West Coast has a great dance scene. I, I have to find I, it. It's been COVID. It is, it's starting up again. We are we are back. Dancing is coming back. The dance well, you live in Florida, and that's another world altogether when it comes to this pandemic. For me, the pandemic started shortly after I got divorced, and like I like I threw myself into creative projects, whether that was crafting with my kids or alone. I made a lot of paper mache flowers. Those are really <laughs> wonderful to give out on dates, right? Paper mache flowers are really easy to make. And I would just, you know, like rather than go and buy a dozen roses or something like that, or a pack of flowers, I gave them that and that won them over. But like, I fell into craft. I fell into this thing with you. So, you know, it's creative outlets that are really important. That's yeah. what we're well, talking check out, about. You got to check out West Coast Swing. It's amazing. I will check we out. Go to a dance Coast event Swing. together. We can do a podcast live from. A oh, dance that would be a lot of fun. And how did it feel to dance? So fun. Oh. Yeah. All right, friends. So uh, tell us what you do in this new year. Since it's a new year, how do you find the new you with new things in your life? Right now that you may be used to the aloneness or confronting the aloneness, whether that is the superficial stuff or the deeper isolation that you're feeling, what do you do? What are your creative outlets to figure out the I new I love year? that. Yeah. New year, new you. That'll be the title of the episode. Oh, that's great. I, I turned on, I was driving my daughter in the car today and she turned, she showed me that there's a Jewish radio station in Florida and on Sundays, Sunday mornings. <laughs> and the guy, the announcer was saying, I think it's Shalom, Florida is the name of it. And he was saying that the theme for the hour was new. <laughs> but like, it made me laugh because it was new. It, it could have the word new in it. The guy's name could, the artist could have new? new, 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 right? Or Newman. Like, is there so many options oh for the Jewish? Oh, it's so funny. That's Orthodox yeah. rock radio right there yeah. for you. That's the, they have no other creative outlet. They'll say, no, we'll throw in the word new. New? Maybe. Let's find the songs with new in it. Next time we'll use the word baby. How many songs have the word baby in it? I don't know if there's any Jewish songs with the there's word baby in it. There's definitely not any Orthodox songs that have the word baby in it. <laughs> Unless we're talking about new, giving though. birth definitely and new. Torah and Mishpacha and families and all that stuff. Those are the ones that have baby in a baby. Who you call it baby? You have a little new one in your house? <laughs> well, right. you can find us all over. You can check us out on our website, www.thejewishdivorceproject.com or email us at thejewishdivorceproject at gmail.com. Remember to like and subscribe, friends, to us on Instagram and Facebook at The Jewish Divorce Project. Reach out and check us out. Happy New Year. Happy New Year, everyone. Goodbye. Bye.